Welcome to Groundbreaking, a podcast exploring the stories of young entrepreneurs, the businesses they are building, what's worked, what hasn't, and how they're figuring things out. I think with any business, and, and particularly when you're young, you, you sort of read a lot of the, the media and, and, and all the news on TechCrunch, and it, it looks really easy from the outside starting a business. And I think we went into this thinking that we'd be an overnight success story, that we'd sort of release it online and suddenly we'd have hundreds of millions of users and be partying it up with Elon Musk on the weekends. And in reality, what it, what it's really been is, is, is a good 18 months, two years of really hard slog. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Groundbreaking. I am your host, Eli, and this week we are talking with Ben Reynolds. Ben is the CEO and co-founder of Spool. Ben works with broadcasters, sports rights holders, and colleges around the world to make their live sport content more engaging. His business lets athletes and everyday fans commentate live and in sync. Meanwhile, viewers can pick their favourite commentator to suit their language or style. Ben, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Eli. It's great to be here. Welcome to the Ice House. Can you please tell us a little bit about yourself and your business? Sure. So my name is Ben Reynolds. I'm a 24-year-old co-founder of Spork. I started this business about six months after I finished university, so coming up on my, my third year anniversary. Uh, and what we do is we help broadcasters and sports leagues around the world uh, with their commentary. So build some cool technology which lets broadcasters have more than one commentator uh, on all of their all of their sports matches. So, I mean, for example, Māori Television here in New Zealand is one of our biggest partners, and they use us to do things like have English and Te Reo Māori commentary uh, available on their live sport, which creates a much more immersive experience for fans. So, yeah, young founder, uh, sort of cool. trying to make it in the big world. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> Why did you want to start your own business? It's funny, I, I didn't actually come into this really wanting to, to start a business. The way, the way we started it was me and a group of friends got together and started doing our own sports commentary. So we all had jobs on the side. I was, I was working in venture capital, so investing in other technology startups. Uh, and we got together one weekend and said to ourselves, why don't we start doing our own commentary for a bit of fun? So we sat in our apartment, apartment watched Sky Sports, so we'd be watching rugby and cricket and other sports like that, and broadcast our commentary for free on platforms like Facebook Live and YouTube. And what we soon found was we had thousands and thousands of people who were muting their televisions and listening to us instead. But everyone was complaining, hey, your, your commentary is two minutes out of time with the TV. Um, and so we said, hey, why don't we build some software to solve that synchronization issue? And we had a broadcaster call us up and say, hey, we'd love to use this. So we quit our jobs and started the business. So really it was a passion project that, that turned into a business. Where did the name for your business come from? It's a funny one. So Spork, lots of people, particularly in America, where I'm, where I'm spending a lot of time now, really struggle with the pronunciation. But uh, the way, what it means is sports talk. So first two letters of, of sports and the last three letters of talk. Push them together and you get Spork. Is it, is it pronounced spork? Spork, spork, spack, whatever, however you want to say it, but um, sort of spork with the same SP from sports and the same ALK from talk. How did you fund your business? 
Sure. So at the start, a lot of it came down to uh, really me and uh, sort of my, my co-founder not really earning a salary, right? We'd, we'd work hard and we both lived at home with parents and saved a lot of money um, that way. Over time, what we did is we went out and actually raised some money from some angel investors here in Auckland. So I think, like I mentioned, I, I used to work in, in venture capital, so investing in early stage technology companies. And my old boss at, at Sparkbox was one of the first people to, to write a check into uh, this new venture, which was which was a great token of support from, from him. Um, alongside that, we had Ice Angels, who are the angel investor network based here in the Ice House, um, put a little bit of money into us. And that's really how we've been uh, sort of funded so far. Uh, and we've got some exciting news, which will be going public in the next two or three weeks. Um, we've just raised a, a, a large amount of money up in, up in North America from some professional athletes. So we're quite excited to talk about that in the next few weeks. What was it like when you first started Spock? How did you get it off the ground? Sure. So uh, it was, it's been a, a lot of hard work at the start. I think with any business, uh, and, and particularly when you're young, you, you sort of read a lot of the, the media and, and, and all the news on TechCrunch, and it, it looks really easy from the outside starting a business. And I think we went into this thinking that we'd be an overnight success story, that we'd sort of release it online and suddenly we'd have hundreds of millions of users and be partying it up with Elon Musk on the weekends. And in reality, what, it, what it's really been is, is, is a good 18 months two years of really hard slog. So working late nights, working on weekends, sacrificing going out, um, partying with friends and saving money where we can and all those sorts of things. Uh, really, really working hard to build the product, working hard to deliver value to our customers uh, and really, really focused on, on solving the problem, which is which is all about this, this multilingual and uh, different types of commentary. So for us, I think we, we probably underestimated how much work would actually go into building a business. And it's been a fun little challenge. Uh, and I'm about to come up on my third year anniversary with the business. Uh, it's been a fun challenge really putting in the hours and uh, sort of rewarding when now we're starting to get some of the biggest sports leagues in the world starting to use our software, which is, which is really exciting. How did you win your first broadcast partner? Yeah, it's a, it's a really funny story with uh, with our first big broadcast partner. So after we've been we released the software for the first time, we would go out to a lot of amateur um, cricket games and amateur rugby games, uh, and we'd film them on a little camcorder and, and stream it on our website, and we'd have people around the world commentating. And then one day we had uh, the CEO of, uh, of of Sky TV fill out a contact us form on, a, on, on our That's website. Cool. Um, so John Fallot filled out this contact us form saying, um, uh, hey guys, I've seen what you've done, can you give me a call? Um, and so I, I thought it was a joke. I thought it was a bunch of my friends playing a practical joke on me because there was no way that the CEO of Sky TV was going to fill out a, uh, a contact us form on the website. Um, and so I, I ignored it. Uh, and then a few a few weeks later, one of uh, one of sort of my friends who sort of was working at, at Sky TV said, "Hey Ben, you might want to sort of take another look at that email from John. He's really interested and eager to hear from you guys." Um, and so it was a it was a really funny one where then we ended up going out to, to Sky TV out of Penrose and meeting with a bunch of their senior executive team and sort of telling them about the product. And um, Sky weren't actually our first broadcast partner, but they, they were the first major broadcaster to. Take a lot of interest in what we were doing. The first ones to actually sign were were multi television, um, and for them we solved a really clear pain point around the multilingual commentary. So because there are um, there are today a multi uh, focused on promoting the language within New Zealand, 
using a tool like Spork, suddenly they could have English commentary, Tadeo commentary, Samoan commentary, Fijian commentary, uh, as well as other bits and pieces and different languages like that. So uh, it's funny that uh, <laughs> that sort of process of uh, somebody filling out a contact us form uh, and getting in front of a big broadcaster, but uh, multi-television were uh, were great to work with and we were really lucky that they, uh, they sort of discovered us as well and, and reached out. Did you ever feel like giving up and what made you stick with it? Sure. So I think it's it's a really interesting one. One of the traits that I've inherited from my parents is being incredibly stubborn. Uh, and so being a being a founder, you're met every day with, particularly a young founder, you're met every day with challenges that you don't know the answer to. Um, and so I can see how uh, it would have been easy to say, actually, you know what, this is too difficult. I'm just going to go back and get a get a nice corporate job and sort of click the paycheck. But my parents' stubbornness that I've inherited uh, and the fact that I've got a really good team and a really good co-founder alongside me has been massive motivation uh, for, for me to continue doing this and continue building the company. Um, so I think there's certainly certainly challenges and it's certainly hard trying to build something new. Um, but I don't think I ever really considered uh, sort of giving up completely. Um, but there's certainly been a lot of tears and there's been a lot of um, sort of tough days. Um, but working through that, particularly the fact that, that Michael, my co-founder, is incredibly onto it and has been a great sort of support uh, supporter of uh, sort of me through this process, and I think um, I've probably been the same for him, uh, has meant that because we're not doing this alone, we've been able to really push through those tough times and, and, and really, really continue to, to focus on what we're building and, and why we're building it. What challenges have you faced because of your age? Sure. So I'm I'm 24, um, so I'm pretty young, about to turn 25. Uh, that's kind of scary getting to that quarter century mark. But uh, I'll, I, I I do like being 24. But I think the challenge, or the biggest challenges I've had being young, is just not knowing how to be an effective manager. So it's really uh, difficult when you haven't been in a corporate environment before. Uh, and I've had some. I've obviously had jobs and internships and things before, but it's really difficult to know. What does good management look like um, if you haven't done it or you haven't been in an environment where you've been managed? And so I think the biggest challenge I've had uh, being so young is not knowing how to manage other people. And so I've been really lucky that um, sort of between Michael and our advisors uh, and also my, my, my dad, uh, we've been able to really sort of I've focused a lot on trying to learn those management skills early. But um, I can see that as being definitely the biggest challenge for me is just not knowing how to manage people because I've never done it before and I've never been managed myself. What culture change do you think we need to see in New Zealand for the next generation of young business people thrive? So I think New Zealand's got a, actually got a really good culture at the moment uh, to support young entrepreneurs uh, redeveloping their skill set. I look to, to schemes like the Young Enterprise Scheme um, down in Wellington uh, and Terry and Robin and the team down there are doing like an incredible amount of work, really focused on developing, um, developing skill set and developing uh, sort of resources to support these young entrepreneurs. I think the other cool thing that we're starting to see is uh, young entrepreneurs like yourself and like me uh, um, are really starting to say, hey, well, we can, we can actually do this. We've seen enough success stories um, coming out of New Zealand um, that, hey, why not me? Why not you? Why not any of us go and be go and be successful uh, as entrepreneurs? I think the other cool thing and, and something that I've really uh, has has really helped me through the process is seeing other young founders succeed. 
Um, I mean, lots of some examples of um, uh, Sean, Sean, Sean Simpson uh, from Keyword Adding Pad, um, is our Prop 2, who's founded a bunch of different uh, companies, um, Craig uh, Piggott from Halter, Jamie Beaton from Crimson Consulting, um, all of these young founders um, who are out there building game-changing companies um, and I'm trying to play catch up to them, right? I want to make sure that I uh, that I am also one of those successful young founders coming out of New Zealand. So I think that's what excites me is that there is a good good amount of role models and young entrepreneurs we can look up to. Um, and I think certainly schemes like Young Enterprise and, and those sorts of things are really going to help develop those skills. Partnerships are sometimes more difficult than running a business by yourself. What advice do you have? Yeah, sure. So... I think the best thing, particularly when you're running a high growth software business, is to have somebody who you run and co-found the business with. So in my case, uh, Michael Prendergast, who's my co-founder and CTO in Spork, it's been so valuable having somebody else to go through this learning process with. Um, I think of the days where maybe we've had a, uh, maybe we've had a scaling issue and suddenly the technology's broken down a little bit or Maybe we're having some difficulties uh, on some of the revenue stuff and how we're going to go about monetizing this. And Michael and I are so good having somebody to get in the meeting room and um, and talk through things uh, logically with somebody else. I think in terms of the advice for, for how to uh, how to best manage those partnerships, I think the best lesson I've had is, is communication is key. So communication, not just around um, sort of the business, but also about how you're feeling. What's your, what's your mental health like today? What are you, what are you worried about? What's stressing you out? Um, so that you can understand where, um, your business partner, where they, where they hit that. Um, cause oftentimes it's, uh, it's, it's all these other things, uh, that, that are happening in people's lives that, uh, that, that, that present an issue. Um, I mean, for example, somebody might be stressed out, which is impacting their ability to work because I don't know, they're stressed out because of a family issue or a relationship issue or something else. And so keeping uh, keeping the other one informed so that you can you can best manage the business is uh, is definitely a piece of advice that I have for sort of other founding teams. So Ben, setbacks are a natural part of business. How do you bounce back? Sure. So we've we've had plenty of setbacks in in, in our time, right? It's uh, it's a nature of trying to trying to build something new and different. Uh, I think the best advice I'd have is is having a long term plan or a long term vision. And understanding that it's not a straight line from, from A to B and building that vision. It's a, it's a squiggly line. Uh, and so what that means is if you have a long-term goal or a long-term plan that you're working towards, it's going to make it much more easy for you to overcome short-term issues or yeah. short-term angst. So I think one of the, uh, one of the interesting examples in our case is, look, we know that we want our software to power commentary on the biggest sporting events. So the next FIFA World Cup will have commentary powered by Sporker. That is a that's a goal that we that we have internally. And so what it means is, yeah, day to day we might have an issue with the technology or with the revenue model or with whatever it is, but we know that because we've got this long term vision that we can accept short term failures because we know they're a learning exercise to achieve the long term vision. So I think for us it's it's all about getting back up on the horse more times than you fall down, right? Do you know who won the FIFA World Cup? I watched the game this morning. I've been up since 1am this morning. I watched the Tour de France, then I watched Wimbledon, then I watched the FIFA World Cup final. Do you know who won? France. Yay. Are yeah. you happy? Uh, I would have preferred England to win. I've got quite a few British friends or English friends. and I know. I was happy France won. You happy France won? Yeah. Do you know what the final score was? 4-2, right? Yeah. 
That's right, 4-2, what a game. So on that passion point, what do you love most about your business? The thing I love most about my business is my team. Um, the team we have, so we've got out there five engineers, and we've got another two employees up in the US, so that's eight, eight employees total, um, including me. Um, and I think what I, what I enjoy most is getting to change the world with them. I, the business is nothing without us people. Um, and so the best part for me is getting to work with that team on a, on a day to day. It's, it's so much fun when you are sort of building products that people are using and you get to share in that excitement with other people who share the same vision as you. So for me, I'm, 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 I'm obsessed with my team, uh, and we'll do everything over time to continue building that team and building the culture we have of, of high performance and, uh, and, and sort of strong teamwork. If you could go back in time, what advice would you give yourself? I would say the best advice is be patient. I think one of the things, particularly as a as a young person, and I know I, I definitely had this coming out of university, was I was incredibly impatient to just get into the real world and start building something and changing something and uh, and, and building something of value. I think what I probably didn't realize at the time was how long it takes to build a business that's going to change the world. Uh, and so going back in time, I'd probably tell a younger 21-year-old version of myself starting this business, that's like you'll get, you'll get there. Focus on learning, focus on enjoying the journey, uh, and stuff, it'll serve you well in the, uh, in, in the long run if you, if you just be patient. So that's, that's probably my best advice for, for young entrepreneurs. It takes time to be successful. So enjoy the journey. Who do you admire most? Who do I admire most? So for me, this is a, this is a, this is a really funny one. I think people I admire most are my, uh, my parents, my mum and dad. Um, I can see an enormous amount of how their upbringing of me has set in, uh, in practice the, the, the traits and the leadership style that I have today. So I talk a little bit about this, uh, just talked a little bit earlier about the management and, uh, and open communication lines and things like that. And I think that, uh, has been really a, really a trait that I've inherited from, from mum and dad, where as, as a kid, they always used to sort of ask me questions. They used to make sure that I understood their decision making process as to, hey, don't, it wasn't just eat your vegetables. It was eat your vegetables because they're healthy for you and they'll help you do X, Y, and Z if you, if you do that. Um, and so little basic, things during my upbringing which I can see now I'm implementing as a, as a leadership style as a way that I lead people. So mum and dad have been enormous uh, support uh, and enormous amount of help uh, through this process and I really look up to how much support they've simply helped me through uh, through this entire uh, sort of business. So I know that's probably not the not the typical Elon Musk or, uh, uh, or Richard Branson answer but uh, mum and dad have definitely been the most pivotal. Okay, final question for me. If you could commentate on any sports match from history, what would it be and why? So this is a really challenging one. I have obviously done a ton of commentary uh, on an enormous array of sports and sort of leading up to or sort of founding and setting up sport. I think in terms of if I could commentate any match from history, I don't think any New Zealander can go uh, sort of that far past the 2011 World Cup, right? I mean, for, particularly for our generation, it was pretty uh, pretty pivotal uh, seeing sort of Richie and the boys bring the cup home for the first time in, what was it, 35-odd years. So for me, like, it would have to be the 2011 Rugby World Cup final, um, simply because it, that, that, that was a game-changing day for, for New Zealand, watching them win 
uh, at Eden Park. Uh, and so being able to commentate that would have been a would have been a huge honour. Um, so for us, I mean that's that's our number one goal, right? Is is letting our fans and letting our commentators call the biggest games in the world. And so hopefully, I don't think it's going to happen at Tokyo next year, but maybe the twenty twenty three World Cup, you might see sport available as a as a way for people to commentate those games in different languages. It's been a lot of fun with you, Ben. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much, Eli. I've really enjoyed it. You have reached the end of another episode of Groundbreaking. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or through your favorite podcast service. Until next time, stay awesome and share the love.